0: welcome everyone to another episode of slasher scotty i am your host scotty mccoy and boy do i have a surprise for all of you i have on zoom with me right now mike messier and we were discussing this beforehand uh i'll get into that in a little bit um about how i was gonna call him mikey messier but before I get into that, he is the author of "A Distance from Avalon" when the dying and the dead reunite. So, how you doing, Mike? I'm doing good, Scotty. Good to be here, buddy.
1: And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good to be here. I'm glad to be here. And uh, Mikey Messier just kind of became a Facebook handle, but. Uh, at the time, I was using Facebook to antagonize my fellow pro wrestling fans. <laughs> and I figured that I would at- antagonize them. But how can anyone hate a guy named Mikey? So right. I, I used the, the handle of Mikey as, as kind of like um, a, a, a way of kind of jabbing the knife in deeper when I would get into these uh, wrestling debates with other wrestling nice. fans.
0: Nice, nice. So the first question I do got for you, how did you get into writing?
1: Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I remember going back as far as uh, I think second grade, you know, mm-hmm. way back when uh, I found myself, you know, we had assignments in elementary school and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I was assigned some type of writing uh, exercise about what did you do last summer. And I wrote this epic story about going to the beach with my family. And uh, the, the teacher kind of made a big deal about it because it was, I guess, better written than some of my, you know, classmates. Mm-hmm. and uh as I continued in elementary school that happened a couple of times you know like teachers would make note if I wrote something
0: mm-hmm.
1: that was a little bit more advanced than my right. classmates and uh, right. that kind of peaked and in, in, I believe when I was in junior high or high school I wrote a paper about the film Born on the Fourth of July which is an mm-hmm. Oliver Stone film starring Tom Cruise about the Vietnam War and other things of that time period and uh the teacher liked my paper so much she photocopied it and handed it out to the rest of the class and told them this is how a paper was supposed to be written so i I don't know if she got me any friends from that but it did happen so nice so i mean there you go i think i just for whatever reason i had a knack for writing
0: nice so what was the reason then that you decided to write a book
1: you know i was so um the, the reality buddy is um I started to transcribe a distance Mm -hmm. from avalon there i've got my copy is uh i was very frustrated with trying to make that project into a feature film i had written the feature Mm -hmm. film uh script version i had uh written a stage play version of the same thing Mm -hmm. i had some actors in mind some local actors that were friends of mine up in uh, rhode island at the time Mm -hmm. but uh you know, any production, whether it's stage play or film, needs some money. And I really just didn't have much uh, to go with, you know, and, and people always say that they'll work for free and stuff like that, which is great. But eventually somebody's going to buy lunch, you mm-hmm. know, so uh, nothing is truly free. And the frustration just kind of manifested like, well, what else can I possibly do with this thing besides be frustrated that I have a screenplay with no budget? To make it, and the answer was to write it as a novel. So
0: I did. Nice, nice. So, for those that are unaware, what is the book about? It's about a character named uh, Joe Humble, who's a school teacher. He's uh, got
1: three kids, but he's Mm -hmm. going through a divorce with his wife. Uh, He has a female co worker. She is a younger woman, she's about a 24 year old music teacher. Mm -hmm. Uh, She's a new teacher, it's only her second year working. And uh, they decide to go out on a Friday night, which also happens to be Halloween. Nice. So, uh, of course, Joe has some struggles about whether or not he should go out on this adventure with this young lady when he's going through the process of divorce because he still wants to reconcile with his wife. But he, mm-hmm. he overcomes that uh, struggle to go out with, with the young lady whose name is Shadow. And they find themselves at a castle called Avalon. And uh, there they are greeted by their hosts, Heartbreak, uh, who's kind of the alluring, mysterious female presence. Mm-hmm. And uh, another mysterious presence, Jean Lacroix Distance, who is a real character. And Jean Lacroix has kind of uh, made up this Avalon uh, location as his home, uh, which represents Avalonia which, uh, Avalonia is a true thing. It's a continent. It's a, it's a piece of not a continent, but a piece of land that broke off of new England, uh, before either you or I was born. Okay. And, uh, Jean seeks to kind of redeem or, uh, reinstill mm-hmm. the magic of Avalonia in his own little Avalon castle.
0: Nice. Nice. Yeah. So go ahead.
1: Oh, the night, con- the night continues. They eventually, uh, What's offered by the host is as a, as a partner exchange for the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, you take my lady, I'll take yours, and we'll just see what happens. And, and uh, Joe kind of reluctantly goes along with this. He's mm-hmm. feeling. Within. At the end of the book, it's revealed have more to them than what appears uh okay.
0: initially nice 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 so did you have any inspiration for this book like where did this idea initially come from to write this story
1: i had originally written it, 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 it as disregard the vampire in a sense i had written this mm-hmm. 33-page film script called Disregard way back Mm -hmm. in September of 2013. Uh, Long story short, I actually did raise a a few bucks and and had some collaborators to film Disregard the Vampire Mm -hmm. in March of 2014. Uh, Long story short, our lead actor bailed on the project after Mm -hmm. it it originally started filming. Like We had a whole day of filming in the can, Mm -hmm. and our lead actor suddenly can't make it. And so we recast a really great guy, uh, Scorpio, to play the lead. But what happened, Scotty, was I kind of repackaged that experience. Instead of a narrative vampire film that I was trying to tell, I repackaged it as a documentary, uh, which became Disregard the Vampire, a Mike Messier documentary. It's on Subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel. Uh, That 40-minute doc has won 11 awards of various kinds. but I still had a feeling that I hadn't really told the narrative story that I wanted to tell. Mm -hmm. And after much soul searching and deliberation and so on and so forth, I started rewriting it. And around that time I became aware of the Avalon Mm -hmm. concept. And so I just kind of switched it from disregard the vampire to a distance from Avalon. But this, this process took several years and it's, yeah, I don't consider the project done either, buddy, because I'm, I'm working mm-hmm. on a sequel to the book. And I yeah. i am going to film a um, I filmed last summer, a proof of concept, uh, four minute monologue from the piece that I performed mm-hmm. myself. And in uh, August, I plan on doing that with another actress uh, or, mm-hmm. or an actress playing the heartbreak thing for another proof of concept video. So it's still it's still a work in uh, progress, so to
0: speak. Nice. So the book is titled The Distance from Avalon When the Dying and the Dead Reunite. So where did you get that title from? Where did that con- that title come from?
1: Well, Avalon uh, is the location. Avalon is the mm-hmm. name of the castle. The lead antagonist, his name is Jean Lacroix Distance. Mm-hmm. Distance. So, okay. so it's literally, you know, the title character is Jean Lacroix Distance. His last name is Distance or Distance. Mm-hmm. And he's from Avalon, so it's a distance from Avalon. Okay. When the dying, yeah, the subtitle. When the dying and the dead reunite, that kind of just came to me late in the process. I think just on Amazon, when you publish a book on there, they add a uh, subtitle, which Mm -hmm. is you know optional, of course, but for me, just to kind of give the story or maybe just the book title a a little bit more of a mood. Mm-hmm. You know, because a distance from Avalon is it, it, I don't know if it, it doesn't really attach to people unless they know mm-hmm. what the book is about. You know what I mean? Right. But when you kind of add that tagline of when the dying and the dead reunite, it paints a little bit yeah. more clear of a picture of, OK, this is a gothic horror or a magical right. realism. You know, that's yeah. kind of the genre. So it was more of a way to establish a mood. Mm-hmm. Although that line, when the dying and the dead reunite, that's used in the story that's a piece of dialogue by Jean Lacroix and he's basically referring to the dying would be regular people. If you think about Mm -hmm. it, you and I are dying. You know, everybody's (laughs) dying. You're born, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once the moment you're born, you you take your first breath. You're automatically the the clock to your death is already ticking. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then the, 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 uh, the hosts, which are kind of like these vampire types, they're Mm -hmm. the dead. So it's that's, that's the concept of it. Okay
0: nice nice so what was the hardest part in writing and planning the book
1: that's a good question I mean I think maybe the hardest part was um, what to do with it you know mm-hmm. and I think I mean I remember that with a distance from Avalon I started transcribing it you know adapting it I guess is the word mm-hmm. from a screenplay to a novel which first of all that's the the reverse of what usually happens usually people <laughs> write a book and then you know somebody themselves or someone else translates it to a uh, a screenplay with this it was the opposite mm-hmm. so I think uh, just emotionally just kind of shedding myself of the contributions and the perspectives and the opinions mm-hmm. of my collaborators on the you know the uh, initial disregard of the vampires mm-hmm. you know everybody's got their opinions you know what I mean and so mm-hmm. I kind of had to cleanse myself of what other people's vision of this story was yeah. And I'm, and I'm glad that they had visions of it. I'm glad that people cared to even mm-hmm. think about it. But for me, I had to get back to what did I want to say? What did All I right. want to write about? Right. Uh, yeah. Some other challenges, I guess, were, um, you know, and I did a lot of this in a coffee house up there in New England. I still lived in Rhode Island at the time. I think it was Java Madness that I would sit there with mm-hmm. the uh, the screenplay printed up in mm-hmm. my computer, you know, typing away Um The actual writing was pretty smooth. I think it was more, uh, Scotty, like, what do I do with this thing? You know, once I had it down, uh, I didn't realize how Amazon self-publishing worked, I think, for another two and a half years. Mm -hmm. So in that meantime, I kind of got a little taste of what uh, independent writers or publishers have probably gone through for 20 or 30 or 40 years, which is there's this whole racket of of more or less scam artists who are Mm -hmm. looking to... Uh, print your book, uh, but they're they're basically a glorified Kinkos or a glorified yeah. Staples. You know, like they they take an exorbitant amount of money in order to slap a cover on yeah. your book and and so forth. And I I avoided all those potholes. I didn't sign I didn't sign my life away or give mm-hmm. any money to any of these people. But I talked yeah. to them because yeah. I didn't know any better. Uh, yeah. But it, it always seemed like scammy to me. Yeah. And. Uh, there's a lot of stuff like that, Scotty, you know, in the in the film, yeah. film world, you know, for actors, I mean, you can get overcharged for headshots. You can, yeah. you know, p- there's so many ways that artists are, are vulnerable because they mm-hmm. want so much to be discovered that they allow themselves yeah. to be taken advantage right. of. And so the real thing was just to kind of live with the fact that I've got this book written and mm-hmm. I've written it as a screenplay and a stage play. What do I do with it? Well, it wasn't until the pandemic kind of kicked in. Mm-hmm that I started doing some research and discovering that this Amazon self publishing tool was there the whole time. I just wasn't Mm -hmm. really aware of it. I wasn't, you know, I I don't think I was an Amazon prime user at that point, although I became one. I didn't, I didn't really buy books on Amazon. Mm -hmm. I still went to the Barnes and Noble or whatever else when I Mm -hmm. wanted a book. But eventually I, I saw like, Oh, Amazon prime does work. And then of course, when I went to go use it for the first time, uh, they had it on pause because of the pandemic. They weren't publishing anything new mm. because they, you know, like everybody else, they pushed the pause button. Uh, mm. So I think I waited another two or three months, and then I came back to it, and it was suddenly working again. So nice. That's kind of the, the what happened there.
0: Yeah, I want to let everyone know because I have, you know, five books out and a sixth one's getting published on August six on August fifteenth. Um, I went through Amazon for all five of my books and one of them became a new york times bestseller oh, that's <laughs> it's awesome. thank you yeah um but i i never gave any money to anybody you know i had publishers come to me and they asked me for mo- this, this money down and then uh, they promised me the world and uh, it, you know i knew i knew better i just knew that i am very frugalist with my money i'm very i'm very cheap with my money i don't like to you know easily give away my money because i work hard for it and that's how sure. it should be um but it took six, seven years until I was discovered. And then I got signed with, you know, a literary agency. And then they we that's the next the next book I have coming out that they they got me. They, We got that book written and then we got that. They pitched that book to, you know, a book you know, a publishing company, Bear Manor Media. And now they're publishing my book. But it, it wasn't like it happened overnight. It, it doesn't happen overnight. Like, yeah, it's great to have tools like Amazon you know, that are legit there for you, but you're not going to get discovered overnight. It took me six, seven years just to get discovered for my writing in general. I mean, it's not easy, isn't it? It's a tough business. It is. If you think, and like, and then I know people that, you know, write a book, went through Amazon thinking it's going to be easy money. They're going to get rich off of it. It's not going to happen. You're not going to get rich off of it. And if you do, you're very lucky. I got very lucky to make New York Times bestseller, but it wasn't off my Halloween trivia books or Friday the 13th trivia books. I tell you that it was on my dad's battle with brain cancer. So it took a really grueling mind-altering you know thing reliving every single aspect of a depression and crying and anger going through all of the trauma that i went through you know you know prior to writing the book just to become a new york times bestseller like it really isn't worth it to begin with with that topic what's the name of that one that one's called uh, christ defeats cancer wow that's a good title Yeah, and then I had a I had a second uh, book come out um, that was a sequel to "A Christ Defeats Cancer." Two, the battle continues. That one didn't do nearly as good. Um, that one was more of rushed on behalf of my dad wanting it to be rushed because he wanted he didn't want he didn't know how much longer he had to live um granted he had about two more years after that and he passed away last august um mm-hmm. but he uh he ended up uh, wanting to see me write a second book about him before he would where to go so that's it was kind of i didn't care about the money i didn't care about i just quickly you know added some you know added up like a 10 page you know uh thing that happened before you know everything that happened with them like kind of recapping the first book and then adding you know four page you know four more chapters, four pages each on everything. It's a really short book, but it was just to make my dad really happy at that point.
1: Well, then it's worth it, obviously. It you know, it's 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 uh, not to go too deep down this rabbit hole, but just yeah. yesterday I was uh, inviting my Facebook friends to like the pages for my books, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, a name kept coming up, the name of Billy V. Deejit, who uh, I'm, I'm sure you don't know him, but he was mm-hmm. a friend of mine who passed away after Mm -hmm. fighting cancer for several years. Yeah. And uh, it it does, you know, you feel like they're still kind of with you, even though physically they're not, you know, but yeah, I mean, It's a tough one, man. Sorry for your loss, buddy. Thank you. Yeah,
0: it's tough. And I mean, I have my good days and I have my bad days. Like most days now, because it's almost a year going by, even though it's not that long. Like it's because he is my father, of course, but most days are good. Um, There's, you know, a day here and there that are that were really bad. And it's really bad because he died on August 8th and his birthday is August 12th. So mm-hmm. it was like he died four days before his birthday, and now you know it, it. Within a week, every year from this point forward, within a week we have to celebrate the anniversary of his death and then the anniversary of his birth. So it it, it sucks.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a double header. That's an intense. yeah,
0: yeah. It, it really is. So I know. Um. You know, uh, Angelo Scipio is the one that really put us in touch. He invited me on his podcast and uh, I was there and that's how I met you. And that's when I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have you on, on, on the show to talk about your book. And uh, so, how, like, how did you happen to get involved and meet Angelo Decipio? Well, Angelo is
1: a great guy. You know, uh, he and Jeff the ref were the originators of their uh, pro wrestling podcast, yeah. uh, which was a lot of fun. And basically, you know, uh, wrestling with the future. And and it was during the time that I was moving literally uh, myself from Rhode Island to Florida. Like I I packed my car and I took one road trip with about as, you know, a car full of stuff looking Mm -hmm. for a place to live. And uh then I had to turn around and go back to Rhode Island a month later to get the rest of my stuff once I found a place to live. <laughs> so it, it was very it wasn't u haul, it was Mike Hall or me hall or whatever. Right. <laughs> and I'm I'm in the process of doing this. And and somehow during that time period, I was kind of making a little bit of a ruckus or a name for myself <laughs> as the angry wrestling fan. Mikey <laughs> Messier, the angry wrestling fan, uh the great Vince Russo featured me on his uh bucket full of chicken next podcasts or broadcast and and angelo who's a i believe a vince russo fan reached out to me and he mm-hmm. asked me to be a guest on a show and i was happy to do it except that the the day of the booking was one of my travel days so i'm like i'm not really sure where i'm going to be uh mm-hmm. but when that day came and i was still in the middle of traveling i was looking at the clock and i, was, I think i was trying to get down to georgia but the clock, I was getting tired because so I'd been driving for two or three days, you know, from mm-hmm. Rhode Island to Florida. Yeah. And uh, I pulled over to some cheap hotel in South Carolina where they weren't particularly friendly and the hotel wasn't particularly good. But it did have Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And uh, after treating myself to a fried Popeye's dinner at the gas station across the way, <laughs> I uh, did the first podcast with Jeff, the ref and Angelo. And uh, we hit it off pretty good. And then I think they had me back a few more times. And then, uh, unfortunately, Jeff, the ref, ended up passing away on uh, Leap Day of 2020, February 29th, 2020. Right. Uh, Angelo's good friend and my good friend, Jeff, the ref, passed away, which was Mm -hmm. shocking. Uh, But I kept in touch with Angelo. He he called me, I think, that night or the next day or I saw something and I called him. We were both shocked. And uh, we've kind of, you know, forged through fire and uh, through loss. And you know, Angelo's a good guy. He, he, yeah. he's. Uh, I think he's happier now doing stuff outside of wrestling. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think he, as well as myself, get very frustrated with the state of professional wrestling, mm-hmm. and that kind of manifests into anger and volatility. And yeah. it's it's coming from a place of trying to take wrestling back to where it used to be but that was 30 or 40 years ago it's not coming back to the way it used to be and unfortunately guys like angelo and myself have to accept that
0: Mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely so what do you think of today's (laughs) day and age of wrestling
1: well as as i mean i just kind of buried it but at the same time i just watched the aew new japan pro wrestling mm-hmm. all the wrestling all-star show i called it and i enjoyed it i mean i went to the movie yeah. theater and i paid you know 14 bucks amc nice. theaters you can go see these uh, AEW pay-per-views mm-hmm. you know for fairly cheaply and there was like 35 or 40 other wrestling fans mm-hmm. in there there was a a family with their kid there was different packs of guys and nice. whatever just people watching wrestling and uh it's a five-hour thing, man. I mean, it starts at 7 mm-hmm. and it goes to 1145, but I, yeah. I felt pretty good about it. Um, nice. On the, on the flip side, though, I mean, you've got stuff, the Vince McMahon scandals right now. With I was going to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, if you look at my history, going back to 2018, I started hashtag Raw protest when I was mm-hmm. actually calling upon other pro wrestling fans to stop watching Monday Night Raw. Because I was telling them that it wasn't worth our time and it wasn't mm-hmm. and it still isn't.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, the WWE started around that point, uh, Scotty, which is what got me noticed by Vince Russo. They started doing these Saudi Arabian shows, and it's nothing against the civilians mm-hmm. of Saudi Arabia or the Middle yeah. East, but they're, they're, and yes, all governments are corrupt, blah, blah, blah. But this Saudi Arabian government is really pretty bad uh, yeah. towards their civilians their female civilians uh, have a lot less rights
0: LDP um, and all that stuff yeah yeah
1: and it's and it, it, if not just the, the way they treat their f- female civilians take a look at uh, they i think they had the largest day of executions ever like mm-hmm. they had something ridiculous like 71 or 90 executions in the country mm-hmm. of their own civilians and Scotty, trust me. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of those guys that got killed were innocent and were just Mm -hmm. killed uh, to to be to put them people in their place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, according to the higher ups, not the way I see things. So for me, when the WWE started taking huge amounts of money to go to Saudi Arabia and put on a sideshow and and dance for nickels. Uh, they they really just showed their hand that they're exposing themselves, that it's all about the money. There's no integrity left. Uh, the Ultimate Fighting Championship, uh, Dana White and and friends, they had a deal to go to Saudi Arabia, but they pulled out of it. So uh, to me, that was the line that got crossed. Yeah. And now I think other wrestling fans are seeing other lines. The Ring Boy scandal of 1992, the steroid yeah. scandal of... 92 to 94, mm-hmm. uh, there's, a, there's an old story from the 80s coming back. I think the lady's name was Rita Chaperone, who's their first official WWF women's referee. She claimed that she was raped by Vince McMahon. Wow. Uh, a, a, ref, uh, a wrestler who I've actually met. I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised and happy that this guy is speaking up, but the former Mario Mancini uh, television preliminary wrestler, a guy who used to you know lose a lot, but he is what's the word collaborating the story basically saying that he wasn't there to see what happened with rita and vince mcmahon but shortly after whatever happened happened Mm -hmm. mario remembers rita telling him about it so she's not just making something up Mm -hmm. in 2022 he's saying that she told him this at the time you know back in back in 86 and so uh that's pretty strong because a guy like yeah. Margo Mancini, I always kind of chalked him up as, uh, as one of these guys, that's just happy to be there. And and he's showed integrity. He showed a lot of yeah. integrity by speaking up about this. So mm-hmm. sometimes I get into it with my friends, you know, uh, Monty and the Pharaoh at their show, they, they're big yep. WWE advocates, big Vince McMahon fans, mm-hmm. but, uh, Vince has provided a lot of good entertainment for everybody, but at what cost? Yeah. You
0: know? Right. Yeah. And the thing is also is that like, I didn't watch raw last night, but I heard he was on raw last night. He was on raw last week and he was on SmackDown a couple of weeks ago. So it's like the scandals coming out and he's parading it on TV. Like he's shown I'm still in charge. I'm still here. It's like, what?
1: It's, it's, a, you, you could call it having uh Audacity or uh, yeah. kind of noticing that, uh, and Maria Kanellis, a female wrestler who was WWE Diva yep. of the Year 2009. Yep, no, uh, she, she, yeah, she, she tweeted about it. Like, isn't this a bit insulting for Vince McMahon in the middle of all these allegations and and revelations to come out and parade himself like this? Um, right. And here's the thing, Scotty, you and I can, can see this for what it is,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: there's a certain group of people that I lovingly call the idiot McMarks of the world, that no matter <laughs> what Vince McMahon and family do, a junior and associates uh, or junior and the brats, as I call them. Uh, these idiot marks will always stand by the WWE because they're idiot McMarks, yep. you know, so they'll do yep. one stuff. thing
0: I always said, and I I kind of retracted this now ever when the scandal came out, but in terms of business sense, I always wanted to be like Vince, not saying about the rape or the sexual misconduct or anything. I mean, I wanted to be that business guy that didn't give a shit what anybody thought about them, that would do the best for business, you know, would be firm and strong and would be wouldn't be afraid to hurt people's feelings if it meant it's best for business you know letting people go or telling people to do this that or the other thing and i i'm such a nice person i hate hurting people's feelings being the boss of gravestone films i even hate like you know going to somebody like you can't do it you can't do this or you have to you can't you, like, can you move out of the way? I hate doing that. But I mean, it's part of being the boss. And I, that's what I always looked up to Vince as. I looked at as him as an inspiration for me to kind of be level-headed and strong in business. And kind of, you know, then this whole scandal came out. I'm like, I still want to, I still want people to be like, I don't care what people think about me. If something comes out about me, whatever, I don't care because I'm not that type of person to do something bad to somebody. But with Vince, like, I I don't, I don't want, I, when that scandal came out, it's like, I don't know if I want to. If I even if I'm proud of to even say that now, because when I say I want to be like Vincent Business, they're going to be like, so you want to have an affair with an intern do you want, or a paralegal? Do you want to have you want to rape people? Do you want to do, like, you know, you, you kind of get in that messy water situation now. And I don't want to be in that situation. But I always looked up to him as a very powerful businessman that did what's best for business. For God's sakes, he turned sports entertainment to it to what it is today. You know, he has built he's a billionaire, you know, and then now look at all this stuff coming out. Is it really worth all the money? when you have the scandal and all the shame and your reputation is tarnished you know it's it, a great it,
1: question and yeah. uh you know and it's 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 crazy you know and it's 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 a thing where you know i i know junior as i like to call him he he mm-hmm. makes, he likes to make a big deal about he took professional wrestling out of the cigar smoke filled mm-hmm. arenas I can still remember the lingering aroma of those cigar-smelled arenas, Scotty. And I can tell you that those times of Blackjack Mulligan versus Andre the Giant in the Texas Deathmatch and Nikita Koloff versus Ric Flair for 56 minutes in Baltimore, Mm -hmm. uh, the Bunkhouse Stampede with Dusty Rhodes, uh, those times that Vince Jr., uh, stabbed all the other promoters mm-hmm. in the back and kind of went into business for himself and got mm-hmm. very greedy and so forth yeah those but... times were better to be quite yeah. honest Well flash me. forward
0: I mean, decades later we got Reggie versus Dana Brooke and hornswoggle as Freezerweight champion <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I mean it's it's and it's nothing against them personally but it's like right. Here in Florida, for instance, you had Kevin Sullivan and Dusty Rhodes and the Purple Haze, Mark Lewin and the Fabulous mm-hmm. Freebirds, and yeah. Mike Graham were tearing up the whole state of Florida yeah. from the from uh, you know Pensacola to Jacksonville to Miami, and yeah. know, Eddie Graham. And uh, there in Maryland, uh, you know, you would have Georgia Championship Wrestling coming through to Baltimore and and the WWF. Mm-hmm. And yeah. back in the territory days. Um, you know, it was a lot more fun. There was plenty of wrestling yeah. to go around in the territory days, and yeah. I think I think what's what people get confused, Scotty, if they don't really know this, is that although the WWE has certainly done better, fighting
0: mm-hmm.
1: world class championship wrestling, mm-hmm. the American Wrestling Association, mm-hmm. etc. They were all doing fairly good business until yeah. Junior, uh, you know, screwed them over and put them out of business. Yep. So, uh, right. what can I, tell you? I
0: missed. I missed the days like when. There was one world champion. There was one women's champion. There was one set of tag team champions. And if you have a big roster and you need to separate them for brands, then have the champions on each brand. Like back in 2000, you know, from 98, 99 to 2001, 2002. And then I missed like now they have all these seed level level pay per views. I missed the times when you knew every September you had Unforgiven. Every June was King of the Ring. You know, every May was Judgment Day. Every October was No Mercy. You know, April was Backlash. You know, No Way Out it was in february i missed that time when you had pay-per-views that actually meant something and there was actually story building and it wasn't you know premium live events where you know it's uh where they barely build up to the card and it's like if i'm if i miss it i didn't miss much or i miss monday night i don't watch raw and smackdown nearly as much as i used to barely do i i bet the last time i watched it was when vince was announced to be on SmackDown just to see what he was going to say out of morbid curiosity. Other than that, I turned it off when he, when he was just there to taunt and leave for a ratings pop and I turned it off. And I mean, I, I watch the premium live events, pay-per-views, whatever. I watch them. I don't mind watching them, but I can watch them and know exactly what's going on without watching a raw SmackDown a day in my life.
1: I had a job interview for the WWE creative writing team back in okay. 2007, Scotty. And, I still say that the storyline I proposed to them back then is better than they, anything they've had since, you know, so for me, you know, it's, 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 it's especially painful for me to watch them do God awful storylines.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it it sucks because like, I mean, look who they hired. They hired a woman, nothing against her, but she shouldn't have been hired there. She didn't even know Bobby Lashley's name and he was the champion.
1: Kenneth Snobley, you're talking about, I think. Yes.
0: yeah and nothing against her i mean but why was she even hired well
1: here's another question which uh, i'll credit brian alvarez from wrestling observer radio asked: Mm -hmm. why did they fire her because what what did she say that wasn't accurate i mean she for those that don't know this lady about a year and a half ago was a wwe writer and she did like a non- wrestling podcast Mm -hmm. where she talked about how she just got hired by the wwe and she had no clue about pro wrestling Mm -hmm. and the wwe said great that's awesome you're hired and uh she was quickly crucified by the wrestling fans for not knowing much Mm -hmm. about wrestling even though she had a job as a writing a wrestling writer but what alvarez asked and i'll ask it here is if she spoke the truth why are you firing her why right. you know, why, aren't you, <laughs> why why not take why not take culpability or responsibility for mm-hmm. the fact that deep down, you know, Vince McMahon Jr. has a lot of issues. I mean, he's a southerner who's afraid of he's a he's a southerner who's ashamed of being from the south, and mm-hmm. he's a wrestling promoter who's ashamed of being a wrestling promoter. So right. the, the, the real question always comes down to this, Scotty, is why does anyone waste their time watching or even thinking about this right. stuff? If you have to watch pro wrestling, like I enjoy watching wrestling, I yep. watched Dan Hansen, where Steve Dr. Death Williams in yep. Japan today on YouTube. And uh, yep. the other night I went to the movie theater to watch AEW New Japan yep. pro wrestling. And yep. I watched some clips from, you know, uh, some other wrestling, five-star yep. wrestling from 1990, yep. you know, some obscure YouTube stuff that I'm finding. Yep. So there's yeah. more to wrestling than WWE. And That's I think- what I was just going
0: to say. If you want to watch wrestling, and I, I'm not talking about sports entertainment, but actual wrestling, you can watch Impact Wrestling or NJPW or, you know, ROH, AEW, you know, there's there's hundreds out there. MLW, um, you know, NWA is back with Billy Corgan. So, you, you know, you could watch the, you know, wrestling without getting the everyday sports entertainment wrestling. I mean, I think wrestling nowadays, Every, every aspect of it has a part of entertainment in it, but there is other all other promotions like NWA where there may be entertainment value, but there's more pro wrestling than you would get with the WWE, which I find, you know, flavorful. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, I, I got the NWA package, the 50-year thing, mm-hmm. and on my uh, Subscribe to Mike Messier YouTube channel, I just did a, a video maybe a couple of days ago. I analyzed the whole... Uh, all, always ready pay-per-view that the NWA mm-hmm. just did. And then I watched the Crockett Cup, the two-night thing that they did, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a couple of months ago. And and uh, Nick Aldis, I think, is a great wrestler. Yeah. And uh, I kind of wish he would get that belt back. Trevor Murdoch is on too much for me. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they do have a pretty good lineup there at the NWA. Yeah.
0: They really do. They really do. And uh, I think that um, if you want to watch wrestling, NWA is a p- perfect place to start. You know, definitely a perfect place to start. And I mean that. I mean, Billy Corgan's doing a good job with running that. And you know, like you said, Nick, all this was a great champion. Um, Trevor Murdoch. I mean, I don't know. I I don't think he uh he's, he's good enough. I don't think he gets over enough with the fans. I think he's kind of bland. If that makes sense.
1: I think I, I agree. I mean, he he's. Yeah. Uh, I'll give him credit. He's been around for a while. I've been yeah. watching the the first year of total nonstop action NWA wrestling and. I didn't realize it until recently uh, Trevor was there at stand up. He was part yeah. of this hillbilly tag team and he was about a hundred times lighter yeah. and, uh, much thinner and much blonder. Yeah. And, and-
0: yeah, I remember first seeing um, him. W- I remember first seeing him when he, um, when he uh, came to the WWE, uh, with Lance Cade, um, and they won the world tag titles, I believe against hurricane and Rosie in 2005. And eventually he got released and, uh, he went to TNA and he was repackaged Jethro holiday. And I remember I'm like, Oh, that's Trevor Murdoch. I remember seeing them, but like, I mean, is he in any relation to Dick Murdoch by any chance?
1: No, he just looks like him. That's why I took the name. Just <laughs> the yeah,
0: no, that's why I, th- I thought because he has the name and he kind of does look like, him. I'm thinking, are they related? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it was, well, you know, you think about it, um, somewhere i there's something where like the human face has only like so many possible so that's why like a lot of times you'll like the 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 picture of uh uh jay-z looks like the civil war soldier from 200 years ago or you know matthew mcconaughey looks like this member of the british empire or whatever you know you you see these things pop online of celebrities now that look like yeah. some dead person from 300 years right. ago. And Well, I always tell my human cousin,
0: human I, I always tell my cousin Jen that she looks like Stephanie McMahon. Cause if you kind of look at it, you kind of see the resemblance in the face. They have that long brown hair and like the, they have the kind of the same smile. So that makes sense.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, good for her. I mean, just, I mean, Stephanie, I, you know, oddly enough, probably like a lot of wrestling fans, as much vitriol as I have for, mm-hmm. Vince I don't necessarily throw that on Stephanie or Triple yeah. H or you right. know because uh, you can't control who your parents are and, right you know most kids most daughters are going to defend their parents yeah and I'm sure Stephanie even though she's but 45 years old now she's yeah. a mother of three teenage daughters and having these allegations or these revelations come out about her father and her parents' marriage. It's going to be tough for her. Yeah. So I take no uh, victory in her going through this tough time. Yeah. But, but junior Vince is a different story.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And like, I I mean, Stephanie, yes, she's filling in as interim CEO of the company, but, and the chairwoman, but it's like, and she did take a break. A lot of people are saying, did she take the break because uh, she knew these allegations were going to be coming out and she didn't want to be, kind of there and then she was brought into the fold as CEO and chairwoman I don't know but um I think that uh you know her at taking over the reins I don't think it's going to really be anything I think it's for show I I don't think it's her doing of it being for show I think you know Vince is still calling the shots behind the scenes it's his company
1: yeah I think I it's agree just with that.
0: for show yeah
1: yeah I mean for me what I, what I have to concentrate on Scotty is you know the distance from Avalon and I do have yep. a couple of other titles uh play basketball uh every shot counts is my young adult sports novel this one's a lot of fun awesome and uh this one you would probably take an interest in although you could probably write your own book like this i i wrote a book about my involvement in the independent film world okay and this one is really brand new uh but i basically decided to put you know because i've written about different topics in independent film and acting and directing and i decided to put them all together in what I call this primer. And, uh, all these books are available on Amazon. Awesome. uh, That
0: that was my last question. Do do you have anything else to promote and to, uh, where can they get them? So as you mentioned, get them off of amazon.com and, you know, support indie filmmaking, support indie authoring, you know, indie books and indie authors and everything. The indie industry is very, uh, is, is, uh, you know, it's really a, a small knit community, but it's a family, and your support really means everything. And, you know, definitely check out Mike Messier's uh, books. Uh, as I said, uh, A Distance from Avalon. So definitely check it out. It is on Amazon.com. I thank you, Mike, so much for joining me today.
1: Well, it's been great. All people yeah. have to do is go to MikeMessier.com, scroll yeah. to the bottom, and I have links to all my social media. YouTube, and all the books right there from Mike Messier, M-E-S-S-I-E-R.com. Scroll to the bottom. And as I say, stand me on social.
0: Awesome. Sounds good. Thank you so much, Mike. You have a great rest of your day.
1: You too, Scotty. Thanks, buddy.
0: Bye.